Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Thank you for listening to Spin, the Rally Pod, brought to you by Dirtfish Rally School. For your chance to experience life behind the wheel of a rally car, head to drive.dirtfish.com to find the course that's right for you. What are you waiting for? We're right here waiting for you. Hello, good morning, and welcome to Spin the Rally Pod, episode 204. We've gone over our double century, and we're now setting our sights into the distance to perpetuity, because we're going to be here forever, talking about rallying, kind of. Uh, Anyway, nearly the end of the season, but there's still plenty, plenty to talk about, taking a slightly different approach to today's podcast. But joining me... Lisa O'Sullivan, the rally fan, we have George Donaldson, former motorsport team boss. Good morning, George. Good morning, Lisa. A lovely morning here after a very weekend in Scotland. There we go. Yeah, tasty warm in the UK at the moment. I think uh, temperatures around the world are all a bit on the wonk, but uh, David Evans, head of media for Dirtfish.com. Yeah, no, I thought you'd had a load of rain, George. It's not been raining. Yeah, we did. Heavily. Oh, no, we, we had... We had uh, we had 100 and, uh, I don't know, 110 millimetres in about uh, 36 hours. So, yes, it was could, very wet. Could you be nice slightly more accurate, please? No, no, that's it. I have, I, look, I have, all, I have all my rain gauges in the, in the back garden and my Davis weather stations <laughs> for the anoraks like me amongst our listeners. Uh, uh, my, my fascination with weather goes beyond motorsport. So, uh, we, could you, could you send me a link to, to the favoured, to the preferred weather station? equipment because i would like to well you can like yes can we stick a camera okay. on that george so we can all follow your weather station you, you don't I, need to you can just if you just download the davis weather app you don't have to yeah i think you have to register for it but it's free and then you can find my little weather station which is called Aleth there's Aleth west there is another one in Aleth but it, it is inaccurate is that um, spelt in a a-l-y-t-h a-l-y-t-h so davis weather app uh, and then you search stations and uh, Scotland, and you can get a map up, and it shows you. And anyway, mine is Aileth West, so um, so I thought I was wet, but but I think uh, I think it was Tindrum or Cree and Larich, uh, that are Kinloch Leaven. Uh, the last time I looked, they were up about one hundred and sixty millimeters uh, wow. between Friday night and Saturday night. Wow, that was proper rain. But I mean that area gets it all the time, so it comes yeah. with it. Here, um, here, the, the the local councils have decided to not do the sides of the roads, so the roads are like little buns, like little canals, because the the water goes in and it's got nowhere to go, so it comes off the fields, goes into the road, and it can't get off the road. So of course, everyone says it's flooded. Actually, it's not. It's just a puddle. It's stupid. But the valley was flooded as well, and all the roads were closed, and that's just because of the quite. I mean, that was a lot of rain for us in in a in a forty eight hour period. Pretty massive. So. Uh, but the, the the river in the village it stayed inside its uh, inside its course, so that was good. It's occasionally burst its banks, but not 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 last weekend. 
also in Scotland and also joining us today, it is the editor of Dirtfish.com, Luke Barry. But uh, you're a little more city-based, Luke. I am. And unfortunately, I don't have um, any weather stories to really trade. And I couldn't even possibly compare with George's detail either. So I wouldn't even bother trying, <laughs> e- even if I did. Um, I felt I needed to bring you in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, well, I can confirm it was also wet in Edinburgh. I don't think quite as bad as further north than me. Um, but I spent a fair bit of my weekend, to be fair, indoors. Um, so I didn't really notice too much of it because I'm that kind of person. But I was working, to be fair. So that's my excuse. It wasn't like I was completely hiding from the world for no reason. Um, <laughs> well, I, you were, I, 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 um, I live in one of the driest parts of the UK. We haven't had rain for months. And it is, I think it was 26 degrees yesterday on the 8th of October, which is pretty much unheard of even in the southeast of England. Crazy, crazy stuff. Um, I'll tell you who's not here, but we definitely need to mention this. Uh, we don't have Farmer Colin in the house today. <laughs> Colin Clark is out working on the farm, <laughs> which I think for all of us just conjures so many images of Colin Clark getting ready to go out and work with the cows. Working with the cows. I mean, <clears throat> the mind boggles, doesn't we, it? We're promised videos, aren't we? Yeah. Can you imagine the trauma those cows are going to go through today? <laughs> well, it's, it's the no, singing. Not that way. It's, the, it's the singing. He will sing to them, and it's, it's an awful concept, really. <laughs> he, yeah. he already get, he gave us a little tease of one on the Dirt Fish production meeting WhatsApp, and the cows that were looking at us <laughs> via his camera looked concerned. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we'll follow that. Um, but. I'm going to hand over to you, Luke, because you've come up with the idea for today's podcast. And I think you should get us going on this one here. Explain why you have decided that we we can wander off into whimsy and talk about what might have been or could have been. I think what's nice here, first of all, is somebody's heard one of my wacky left field brain ideas and said yes, which is never a bad thing. Mm. Um, so that, that makes me pleased. But yeah, essentially the the main theme of today's podcast, we will cover a couple other things at the end, but is just looking at driver moves in the World Rally Challenge that we wish happened, <laughs> essentially. Whether that's moves very close to happening or moves that just were never ever on the cars, but we'd love to see for whatever reason. It just felt exciting, a bit fun to do in a, a quieter week of, of rallying, particularly in the context of obviously last week's big news that Oit Tanak will be moving back to high and die um, from M Sports, so it felt like a good time. I've had the idea up my sleeve for a little while, but I thought now is a good time to try and deploy it. Um, and I'm kind of curious what everybody's brainwaves are and where everybody thinks. And I think I'm going to potentially, looking at my sort of small shortlist, age myself a little bit um, with my my picks <laughs> from a certain era. Put it that way. Um, I think you can tell when I was maybe growing up a little bit and watching it purely as a fan. Um, and where my brain's gone but if I'm allowed to start and I'm, to be honest go, go, it's go. one of these things again Absolutely. we're trying it and it should hopefully spark debate each time we do it but we're, we're going a little bit in the dark here a bit of a new concept so bear with us just just want to just jump in very slightly here if you are listening to this and you want to tell us what your picks would be as well at Dirtfish Rally is the way to get in touch yes and, and tell us if we're if we're completely crazy with where we're thinking or not because we probably are let's be honest um, but my first choice, and I'm apologies, it's a bit obvious, but I've picked out Sebastian Loeb and Ford. And this is one that almost did happen, David. And I'm going to bring <laughs> you in here because I remember you wrote a story about this last year, just after Loeb actually eventually did drive a Ford in the WRC, obviously winning the Monte Carlo Rally last year. But I believe it was for 2006 where Loeb 
was in talks to join. This is when Citroen obviously took a year out. Um, we were still representing the WRC, but not theoretically officially as a manufacturer to develop the C4. The new Focus was out. Obviously, Marcus Grunholm ended up driving that car. But this is the wonderful thing about this for me, is we don't get to contemplate just what would have happened if Loeb had gone to Ford. And to be honest, you'd have to assume it would be more drivers' championships. But where would Grunholm have gone? for example, because mm. obviously he was out the door with Peugeot, would he have gone to a Kronos Citroen? Would he have been Lowe's teammate? You don't know. And this is what I love to think about. Um, but David, how, I mean, at the time, you were working in the WRC then, weren't you? Forgive me for not knowing this off the top of my head, but at this point you were around. So yep. do you remember yeah. this story and around it and how, how real did remember, it feel? I remember it very well. I remember we were, it was in 05, and I remember the exact building where I was when I asked Loeb about the whole Ford thing. Um, we were in Greece, and the event had finished, and he and I were just walking, might have been out of the press conference or something like that, and it was we were just, we were just chatting. Um, and I said to him, because the assumption was that he would just stay with whatever Citroen were doing, uh, I think at the time there was an awful lot of discussion that that yes, Kronos would run the the factory Zara's, uh, and obviously there was some debate at that time that Citroen had kind of Citroen had pulled out of the championship, um, but then they came back um, and they were going to then obviously spend 06 developing the the C4, um, and I think I just kind of took it as read that he was going to stay, and and I was like, yeah, you know, it makes a lot of sense for you to to stay exactly where you know everything and keep working towards the next car. And just out of nowhere, he turned and said, yeah, but it can be nice to have a change as well. And it totally stopped me in my tracks. And we sort of stopped and I said, well, could could we say that? And he said, yeah, why not? He said, you know, sometimes it's nice to have a change. Um, and I completely hadn't expected it. Uh, so we wrote that story that, you know, he was actually genuinely considering a move to, to Ford. Uh, and of course, he went to M Sport. Uh, and tested a focus. I can't remember the, the data or anything now, but uh, Malcolm Wilson still famously has the gloves that that Loeb wore to to drive the car uh, back in in 05. Um, but ultimately, he did stay where he was, and it and it served him served him pretty well. He he got that 06 championship sewn up in in about three weeks or something, and then <laughs> yeah. he had time to fall off his his bike and break his arm and still win the championship, and then come back and dominate in a C4 and then dominate in a in a in a DS3 or whatever it was so no it was it was that's actually that one was on my list as well Luke that's a good one and Is in that, terms of where Gronon would have and mine I had a feeling uh, there could be crossover didn't I it's the thing I've come up with several in case we had <laughs> that scenario we all had the same brainwave so apologies I, I, for stealing everybody's thoughts there but I, I well no but the, the Loeb thing was interesting because of the whole Kronos period as well wasn't it yeah it, it was that that whole thing, and I think just to to come back on on teammates for me, Grunholm and Loeb as teammates would have been fantastic. It would have been so interesting to see those two working oh, in the, David, in now the you, same team. Now you've now you've lit my fire. That would have been just. I think that would have been the most powerful <laughs> film of all time. Two guys that genuinely, totally relaxed, enjoy mm. collaborating, but are very very focused on what they do. There would have been huge, fair battles going on there, I'm sure of it. That would have been stunning. Yeah, just absolutely yeah. amazing. So I, I had a couple of M-Sport-related moves. Uh, the first 
is taking us back into the mid 80s uh, and one which potentially who knows it could have come close um, and it's a story I remember Malcolm Wilson telling me about when again I can't remember the event he was on uh, it might have been Corsica or somewhere in in 86 when he was driving the metro uh, and Malcolm said he was walking into a room behind Jean Todd uh, and Todd mm-hmm. was talking to somebody uh, and Todd didn't know that Malcolm was there and Malcolm heard Jean Todd say to somebody, "What about this Malcolm Wilson guy then?" As in, in very quite quite deferential and glowing terms, as in, "Do we need to think about signing him?" So potentially, had Group B continued, could we have seen Malcolm Wilson in a in a Peugeot, in a factory Peugeot? George, you would know, perhaps. Well, certainly wow, better what than would me. Have then? Yeah, how Malcolm Wilson? You know, he was a world class driver. Um, but the 6R4 was a fabulous car, and we all loved the noise, but it was never quite up to the mark in, in Group B. Um, it would have been amazing to see Malcolm in, in, I hate to say, one of the proper Group B cars, but, you know, something like a Lancia or a Peugeot or yeah. or even... I mean, he obviously drove for Ford, didn't he, as a development driver? And well, he drove, did he not drive Quattros for a while as well? He he did, but he was never he never quite got the, the ultimate spec quattro did he He was always uh it was always one of the the david sutton cars which were perhaps just a step a step down well yeah depends on who you talk to actually if you talk to david (laughs) sutton he'll tell you they were better (laughs) they were better than the factory cars um uh malcolm malcolm was at his peak in the escort without a doubt so i mean that's going back a long way you know and then you remember for a while he was still effectively a factory driver. He he drove the the, the front wheel drive escorts. The, the the when they first came out the group, the group A escorts, yeah. which I don't think were, were weren't they weren't overly brilliant. Um, and he was miserable as sin driving them. I remember speaking to him on a on a when I, I was marshalling actually speaking to him at. Uh, at a, a Burma rally, which was a an international rally on the west coast of Scotland, believe it or not, um, it must have started in Glasgow at that time. Uh, and I mean, it, it would have run the same length as the WRC rally out on the west coast. Wow! Uh, amazing forests. And I remember yeah. speaking to him, and, and he was as miserable as sin. And I'm, uh, we were chatting at a service point or something. Although I was marshalling, I'm not. I wasn't. You weren't of uh, every second of the, the the event, and it was a. It was a sort of thirty-six hour event. It ran really, really fast, and no, no breaks. It ran right through the night. It was pretty zany, um, and he was just as miserable as sin. And I remember thinking, what a miserable bugger! You know, he's got a factory <laughs> drive. He's driving a, you know, he's driving a Group A car. They're going to come with something else, and then he's going to be in the frame. But did he ever drive the RS two hundreds? Yes, he did, yeah, he did. did. Yeah, he no, did. he did the Lindisfarne. Um, right. As a, as a test event. But, uh, I uh-huh. guess, you know, coming to that front wheel drive thing, that was terrible. And if you'd driven a, mm. a proper Group 4 RS 1800, yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. you could understand him being a little less than chipper. But he, the, he, but, wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't, okay, nobody shone in those cars. So, but no. I mean, I remember thinking actually that, you know, his performances were pretty good. And I remember even thinking at that time, uh, you know, 
I think I maybe even said to him at the time because you know you, you knew those drivers a wee bit. They, they, you know, I mean, I, I knew Malcolm before I wor ever worked in a rally team because you walked around the service points, and if you were a, a, a big spectator like me and marshalling, these guys recognised you. I didn't necessarily know your name, but they knew your face. And uh, I remember, I remember certainly thinking it and talking to my mate, saying, "This is making him faster." You know, he has to wring that 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 car's neck like I ring my Mini or my Fiesta or whatever I had at that time. Uh, it rings its neck, and uh, uh, it'll make you a better driver. Uh, it'll make you quicker. So when you drive the when you drive the next car, and you drive and you ring its neck, and it's a Group B car, you'll win. I mean, that was that was my genuine thoughts on the matter. So my 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 other would we have had M Sport if he'd have um... this uh, this is what I was suddenly sure thinking. But uh, there was always a, a as there was always a businessman uh, in Malcolm. So yeah, a hundred percent we would have. Yes. And just to, to skip along, Chris Meek to M Sport was my other M Sport related one. Uh, when all mm. that time when everyone was wondering what what he was going to do, was he going to get a Citroen deal? There was some talk of a kind of British super team. Um, with Northern Ooh. Ireland, Chris Meek. I, I mean, it never really, it, it kind of never really got off the ground. Um, but it would have been amazing. Why not? I, I'm not, I can't remember. I, this probably was going back now, maybe 10 years. I'm sure it so probably was. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah, so when you say British Super Team, would that have been Meek and Elvin, Evans? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, okay. yeah. yeah exactly. Exactly. And it, it would have been great. It would have been a, a, an amazing opportunity uh, for British rallying, but it's you know I think the other the other one going back even further, which I had at the top of my list was to put whatever manufacturer would would have been Colin and Richard, uh, who of course were teammates at Subaru when when Richard was was part of the junior team uh, in the early nineties. Mm -hmm. And actually, no, 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 because then they competed in the World Championship together, didn't they, through 90, certainly 95, because Burnsy was on the podium when Colin won the championship in 95. And then Richard went to Mitsu in 96, I think, didn't he? So sometime after that, it would have been good to see the two of them back together again when they were both fighting for the championship. So maybe it would have been fabulous to see Colin go back to, to Subaru in after Ford, I don't know. This would be a good time for somebody to offer an opinion. Mm. In in fairness, I actually had that same example on my list. I went very specific, and actually, it's probably a little bit. I'm changing a few scenarios, and I guess it's a little bit sad in a sense. But I had it down as 2004 being the year we could get them together because Burns is obviously meant to be at Subaru that year. If obviously his health mm. hadn't done what it had done, and and Colin ended up without a drive, so I think. This is not to discredit Peter Solberg, who was my favourite driver as a child. I have no problem admitting that. But there would be no room for him at Subaru in my dream scenario here as reigning world champion. <laughs> He's off somewhere else. Or, um, or it would have been the 2003 world champion as a third driver to Colin and Imagine, Rick. imagine that. <laughs> they break the rules that were just coming in after third car. But yeah, I, th I completely agree. I think it would have been... And it's one of these tantalising things you always do, but I guarantee if it happened, it wouldn't have been half as interesting as we all think it would have been. But just to wonder, and it's one of these things that I think it's nice and it sounds strange, but it's nice that it didn't happen because it gives us something to think about, if that makes sense. Mm. Like, we can just, it can't be ruined. It can be the best thing ever because it's all just in our heads. 
And this is why I like this idea, is you can just dream of things. I actually think Meek and Evans would have been very interesting, but particularly if it was maybe a couple more years into Evans' career when he was building his craft, because obviously yeah. that particular Chris wasn't at his nestle, he wasn't uber experienced in WRC at this point, despite his years in a rally car and what he'd achieved, he was still having to learn some of the events as well. But yeah, I think that would have been a very, very interesting comparison because I think particularly at the time, everyone would have had Chris down as the faster one and Elvin down as the consistent one. But I would argue that nowadays, Elvin's probably just as quick, if not potentially quicker yeah. than Chris was. So to see them at their peak together in the same car would have been fascinating. Mm-hmm. But you're right, it's, it's one of those that the whole, as you say, from the British rallying angle, two sort of British drivers in the British team would have been sort of the dream scenario in a sense. It would have been very good for you and your days at Autosport, David, <laughs> I think, for selling, would. selling covers. It, um, it would, but I, I do remember doing features with the two of them, particularly, obviously, when it came to to rally GB time. There'd always be some sort of feature idea of let's get them together and do this and this. And, and it was always, you always got the feeling around that time that Elvin was kind of in the shadow of, of Chris. You know, Chris would always lead those mm-hmm. those features and have more to say. Um, and like you say, is that, that just not an age thing? No, uh, yeah, I guess it. Yeah, probably. Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you're probably right there, Lisa. And and I think, like you said, Luke, it was an experience thing. Yes, Chris didn't have a vast amount of experience, and probably, you know, still doesn't. It's it's one of the things that people are quick to forget. It's just Meek only probably did two or three full championship seasons in WRC. Yeah. Um, but he, like you say, he'd spent a lot of time in a rally car. Um, and I, I think that the dynamic within the team would have been, Chris would have been very dominant um, mm. in that team. But like you say, it would have been interesting to see as the years passed um, just how how the two of them would have worked together. So here's, here's one for you, though. Calais to Hyundai for next year. So we've got Cali, Newville, and Tanak in the same team. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That would be yeah. quite something. Or, I think, remember when we wrote that story in the middle of the year that, that Cali or Timu Yoki was talking to, to Hyundai? So that, for me, that would have been... Obviously, he would have perhaps gone and then Tanak maybe would have gone back to Toyota. Um, but we're kind of building into that that same sort of thing that... Loeb was a Citroen driver. Is Calais now very much a Toyota driver and will remain a Toyota driver? And who knows what Calais is going to do after his next Toyota contract ends? Yeah, you know, maybe well, per- he does take that break. Um, yeah, perhaps the good speculation there, David, is is that that move from uh, from Timo Yoki in the summer was was all about money. You know, it was pretty obvious to me. <laughs> and and I just wonder. I would love to. I'd love to know what Calais now going to be earning next year. Yeah, because there'll yeah. be a, signif- a significant step there. But I think that's always well. that, I've always wondered that, George. Can I, sorry, just as a, a side step. Sorry, here, George, David. When you we'll are, when you are building that. a team and you are trying yeah. to put your dream team together, I mean, obviously, we're talking completely budget for um, money's no object for the the dream teams that we're trying to put together. But as a team boss, when you're trying to get your personnel in place, what are the most important things is it just that you get the fastest best driver or do you need someone who fits into the team properly I think you, you would always look for someone that would fit into the team that was certainly a factor and I always remember Uwe, Uwe Anderson after uh, Jimmy McRae had been at Toyota uh, I can't remember whether Colin was there I don't think Colin was there 
there was two or three other people with Jimmy. I think one might have been uh, Campbell Roy. Um, and Uva. So I, I, I recused myself from the meeting. So I, 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 I greeted everybody downstairs in the in the reception, took them up to the boardroom, and then Uva came in, and I can't remember who else was there from our side, someone from HR probably. And then I just I just said, guys, I've uh, I've, I've unfortunately got a call, and I'll just uh, I'll I'll just leave you here. And I, I prearranged that with Uva that I didn't want to be in the meeting. Because mm-hmm. I, I kind of I kind of knew how it was going to go. I didn't I didn't expect <laughs> I didn't expect Colin to be driving for Toyota. That what that wasn't Uva's concept. Um, and I think why not? Uh, I, I think generally speaking, Uva didn't like Colin's behaviour. Uh, plus, when, I think when, Uva, when and, was and, that? Was that that around must have the... that must have been um, 90, 97? Yeah, I some... would guess ninety six, ninety seven. Which and, that know, was Jimmy's, around. Jimmy's such a gentleman, you know. I mean, he always mm-hmm. is. I mean, he's the nicest guy in the world to, to deal with. Um, you know, on on a on a personal level, uh, uh, like I said, I never I never got involved in that uh, that particular negotiation. I just recused myself because I felt somehow too close to it. There was um, that time when when Colin was was fined for for speeding in the service area in Argentina, wasn't? And there was when, around. When like, was that? When was I, that? I think that was around ninety six. Some right. So the, maybe and, maybe that's what that's what coloured it then. Maybe. And 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 just yeah. around that time, that was the time that that Dr was really trying to sort of push Colin as the as the as yeah. the guy who, you know, the 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 kind of gung ho driver that everybody wanted to to yeah. to associate mm-hmm. with, um, and I I think that all of that did Colin's reputation a lot of harm. You know, but it suited the narrative that DR was was establishing for Subaru. It sold rallying, though. Well, yeah, it did. <laughs> it, it did, but I mean, you still you still have the legend of Colin McRae dominating the narrative for people that perhaps aren't watching as much rallying now. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. It's true. But Someone told now, me his road car, Colin's road car, sold for four hundred and fifty thousand pounds. Was it like last week or the week before or something? Which Quite recently. One? Some road car, a Subaru road car he had, sold for some massive amount of money. I said, that can't be right. Surely that was a rally car. And he said, no, no, I think it was just his road car. I said, it can't have possibly been, not for not for that much money. But 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 maybe maybe it did. I mean, I, I, I was merely outlining the fact that Colin is an absolute legend in our sport, in, in all motorsport, really. I mean, I think, you know, you talk to people in, in America, you know, racing people, not even rally people, and they all know Colin McRae. <laughs> I remember one of the, the the final interviews that I got to do while I was on event with Colin was, um, and I thought he was winding me up that he was considering having his finger amputated, his little finger amputated, uh, because yeah. he kept snapping it every time on the wheel, and he was sick of having to strap it to his index finger. So he was seriously contemplating having that little finger taken out because it was getting in the way, and that was when I kind of realised quite. What a legend <laughs> someone is when they consider modifying their body in that way to actually be quicker, mm. to be faster, to have less pain. To it was yeah. It was after it <laughs> crashed in Corsica, wasn't it? The second. Yeah, that's it right. Was. Yeah, and it, it got trapped on the in the A pillar. Mm-hmm. The... Uh, <laughs> I, I met him. Uh, I met him at the Edinburgh Airport uh, BA lounge. Uh, we were in there. And uh, we're sitting. He, he had he had enough time. He never arrived that early at, uh, at airports, but he was he was obviously 
on time that day and he was in the lounge and we sat there and we sat together on the flight on the way down and he was talking about it and I said, I basically said, Colin, it's your little finger, just get it taken off. What difference is it going to make? With a sort of wry smile on my face. And his head just about came off his shoulders. What do you mean? I said, well, what does your pinky actually do? If you've not got it, how does it affect anything you do? Yeah. I said, you know, if you want to win, the, if you, do you want to win the world championship or not? And it, the, the look of aghast and horror on his face. I mean, maybe maybe I'd stolen his thunder for for his planned press release and comment that he made. <laughs> but, but four or five days later, out comes the story, and I thought, oh yeah, <laughs> there you go then. <laughs> I'll not take credit for it, but I remember it was one of the few times I've ever actually seen Colin McRae a little bit shocked. I mean, I spent I spent a fair bit of time with Colin on flights from Edinburgh to London. It's only an hour flight. I mean, he was it was a lot a lot of fun. But I remember I remember actually being quite surprised that he was so shocked about that. I said, "Come on, Colin, it's only a little finger. Get it See, off." That's a, com- a complete lack of commitment from Colin McRae, isn't it? I mean, good Lord. Like you say, just, it's just your pinky. Just get rid well, of it. I, 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 remember thinking, I remember thinking, did I suggest that to them? And now that you make me think about it, he's probably his head snapped off his shoulders. Just, Who talked to you? Who told you about that story that we're going to release? You know, seemed like a yeah. pretty obvious thing for me to, to do. It was causing him some... Because there was talk at that time that he couldn't do the rally because of the pain. Because, yeah. as you say, David, he kept knocking at him. Cut mm. it off. What difference does it make? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it, so uh, I have a couple more uh, on my list. And this this kind of, it it was very close to happening from what I understand, but it obviously it didn't. Uh, and it takes us right back to the top of the 80s and to the top of, of what would have been an all-conquering, even more all-conquering Audi team. Uh, when Walter Rohl was going to join Audi, I think, for 81 uh and then didn't um to have Volta in the team from the outset uh would have been pretty yeah. sensational to have him alongside Hanno Mikola. Uh the reason he didn't join uh Audi in eighty one was because he was gonna join Mercedes. Uh and Mercedes was also planning a four wheel drive group B car at that time. Uh and then pulled the plug and left mm-hmm. left Volta high and dry through eighty one um but still paid him handsomely. Uh, but that's the reason mm-hmm. he never did many events through, through that season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, for me, that would have been it would have been superb to see to see him to I see mean, what he could I, do. I remember uh, speaking to I remember speaking to Hannah Mikola about about Audi. So wh- wh- when did he go? He went there in nineteen eighty, wasn't it? Nineteen yeah, the end of eighty. Yeah, yeah, the end of eighty. So I think it was the end of eighty. Uh, basically, basically. Um, Hanu didn't really, you know, the, the factory drives weren't like the factory drives today. You could have a factory drive and drive other things potentially yeah. um, at that time. And uh, uh, Hanu uh, was offered a huge amount of money to go and develop the Audi, which everyone thought was a, going to be a crock, an absolute crock. Um, uh, they, they had no no heritage particularly to, to play on. They had some heritage, but nothing to play on, and, and uh, there wasn't much confidence. But I do remember Hanu saying that he didn't actually say how much he was paid, but he was paid a vast amount of money to go and develop that car for Audi. Um, and uh, I, I, he, he, he went for it because he had no other drives and the, the other options weren't brilliant. Ah, because Ford had gone, hadn't they, then? Yeah, a, yeah, a vast amount of money. Uh, he was offered much more than anybody else was being paid at the time. He became the highest paid rally driver around that time. 
by a significant amount. And then, of course, as he developed the car, he realised, bloody hell, this is going to be brilliant. Mm. And I mean, it was basically a, a Group N car, even at that time, honestly speaking. I mean, if you looked at that, you look at that car now, it's, it's somewhere between a Group N and a Group A car. You know, standard yeah. pedal boxes, cut and welded and bits and pieces. It was a very standard transmission type thing in it. Um, I think it was still a, was it a synchromesh gearbox. I remember it wasn't a very good gearbox anyway that was in it by comparison to even the dog boxes of the time. Um, uh, but but um, that the, 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 in terms of smart moves for, for Hanu, that was the smartest. Goodness yeah. gracious. He, he then went on to dominate for... What was it? Five years, basically. Either mm. either winning everything or very close to it. Yeah. Um, no, it was good. So I'd, for for I'd, Walter, bad decision for Hanu. Smart as smart as yeah. smart as a pair of tight pants at a disco. <laughs> 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 Struggled for an analogy there. I don't know where that's that one came that's from. Some analogy for a Monday morning, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? it is, yeah. Uh, and my final Group B one would have been. Uh, Henry Toivonen to to Peugeot uh, around well eight eighty four, so to, for uh-huh. him and to join Vatanen and because I I always felt with Toivonen that he was obviously a, a world champion in the making and just an incredible outrageous talent um, that obviously we 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 just didn't get to see the absolute best of um, just when he was yeah. he was coming to the height of his power obviously he was tragically was killed in Corsica in eighty six. Uh-huh. Um, and he'd, he'd only got his hands on a four-wheel drive Group B car in in November of the previous year when the, the Delta S4 made its debut on the RAC. So to see him yeah. through 85 um, in, a, in a Peugeot, in a 205, with it would have been obviously Timo, it would have been a Finnish super team, wouldn't it, with Vatten and Salonen and, yeah. and him. But obviously Ari was, yeah. was out after Argentina in 85. But yeah, Toivon and the more we could have seen of him in a, in a four wheel drive group B car, the better. And it would have been, mm-hmm. but he was, I mean, he was kind of, you got these drivers that were Lancia through and through in those days. And mm-hmm. him and Marco Allen were, were absolutely uh, aligned yeah. with Northern Italy, weren't they? Do we, do we think? Well, I mean, pre- previous to that, then Henry had had sort of, you know, he'd had those, I mean, he had a long apprenticeship, Henry. What was it? Five, Six years he'd been he'd been an, an also ran man you know he'd been mm. a, a you yes. know a, a, an up and coming young driver like Timo Salonen and going really yeah. quickly and then you know slipping off the road for no reason uh, yeah. obviously had that one really incredible result on the REC what, what year was that eighty it was eighty one was it eighty eighty one sorry eighty or eighty one with with Paul White um, yeah. he had he had that event but then then uh, uh, ProDrive got their 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 uh, their hands on them and promised them all sorts of Porsche factory Porsches, which which never happened. Um, and it was, it was all private. Uh, and and it, I don't know his career sort of fell into a little bit of a, a decline around those decisions. And then uh, nineteen eighty, sorry. Yeah, and obviously when he when when he he then got the Lancia drives. And I remember, was it uh, nineteen eighty four uh, Acropolis Rally? He was driving an O three seven, I think it was, and he crashed. Like about four or five stages in, just a speed crash as well, and that, and you know that's the, the sort of thing that happened to him. You know he did a he did a, an Esapeka Lappi basically, mm. uh, but then all of a sudden, when he got that four wheel drive, that that was that was his that was his uh, 
that was his steed, wasn't it? That was that was him. I mean, he was he was, he basically. What was his winning ratio in that car, David? Oh. Uh, yeah, well, he, I mean, it, it he must, won the RAC. He, he, he won, won the RAC. He's about 50%, isn't did, it? Did he, did he win Sweden? Or did, did Stig win Sweden? I'm sure Kahn, 50%, Luke, did he say? I'm just guessing. Yeah. Well, Kang could have won yeah. Sweden, I know that, somehow. Right, um, okay, that year, okay. But, but check yeah, me, yeah, <laughs> check me on that. Um, but he obviously, yeah, Henry obviously won his first two events in the car, didn't he? I remember that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he obviously didn't get that many in the end, tragically, so... Mm-hmm. I don't know. It yeah. could be could be around fifty. I'm not looking. This is all off the top of my head. So uh, anyway, so I, I have dived onto our favourite results page, ewrc-results.com. Very quick at doing that, David. I'm very impressed. <laughs> yeah. Always. So he did. He did. RAC won it. Monty won it, and won it. And the Monty one was a very special one because he'd had that road accident, which completely twisted the chassis, um, and they patched it up, and and he so he won that, uh, and then retired in Sweden with the engine. Uh, and then obviously they were withdrawn in Portugal after Dos Santos's crash, um, killing the, the spectators. So Lancia was one of the teams that withdrew. Uh, mm-hmm. And then of course Corsica was the next event after that. Um, so yeah, in terms of rallies that he that he finished, he won fifty percent of them um, in uh, two out of four. Oh, so yeah. yeah. So that yeah. sorry, that's taking us down mm-hmm. a rather dark alley there. But yeah, well, for me, a yes and no, but. It would, have been, get, it would have been epic to see him in that the, 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 reason, the reason I, the reason I, I laboured that point was because it's quite interesting. You know, we're talking about drivers and Hold drivers that thought, Luke. past and present. <laughs> Hold that thought, Luke, is the fact that, you know, Henry Toivonen was uh, regarded at the time, you know, before before he started to hit these major triumphs. He was a bit of a, an Essa Pekka or, yeah. uh, you know, a, a Timo Sunnen. Somebody that's had a chance, not quite managed to make it work, and would he come good? And 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 boy, did he come good! Mm. You know, massively. I d- I didn't know any of so, that. That's that's so, really know, interesting because yeah, he so, did. So 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 what happens now with these guys? You know, we're, Ford are looking for a driver. Well, they've had Esapeka and he he left, and they've had Sundanen and he left. But could they could they go back there to Ford and give them a driver next year? Because M Sports needing a driver next year, aren't they? Mm. Yeah. No, absolutely. Luke, is Luke, you, is, you? I, I was going to quickly ask something, but I, I'll keep it very quick. So I know time's getting away from us, and we've still got some to go through. I'm just going to sim- simply ask David and George: Do you think Henry would have been 86 champion if history hadn't gone the way it had? 100. percent Yeah. Yeah. On, on the on the strength of what was happening, yes, I think a very good chance. But uh, you say that. Uh, do not forget the underlying strength, David, of Juha Kankinen. You know, he, he left he left yeah. Toyota at the end of '85 on an absolute winning streak. You know, in terms of in terms of you know his growth and performance, and he went into that Peugeot and uh, um, with a new code. Well, a, a former co-driver. I don't think I think Pernan had been with them before. Maybe maybe he hadn't actually. But anyway, Juha Pernan went with them instead of Fred Gallagher. And they they just uh, well w- walked away with that championship really didn't they? Well they didn't walk away with it because Marco Marco had won it for about eleven days before they got excluded, yeah. and left you a, a very fair and honest champion. That was his first championship. So I'm mm. not I'm not necessarily sure that you wouldn't have ris- risen to the the challenge and and uh, and done it. But I mean certainly it was it was going to be a three way fight, not a two way fight if if Henry had been there. All rallying. One source. 
By now, you know that dirtfish.com is the place to go for all of your rallying news. But when it's time to try your hand behind the wheel, just join us here at Dirtfish Rally School, nestled in the Cascade Mountains in Snoqualmie, Washington. Whether you're a pro seeking extra seat time or a novice looking to get started, we've got programs tailored to all rallying needs. And when you wanna watch the best in the world, just head over to our YouTube channel. Our coverage of the WRC and American rallying is second to none. Follow us at Dirtfish Rally across all social media platforms and shop the latest looks in our merchandise store now. As always, rally on. I'm aware, George, that you haven't mentioned anybody on your list. Is there somebody you would like to... Yeah, when, I, when, when Luke first mentioned this, I said, oh, yeah, I've got lots of stories to tell. And then I thought about it. I said, yeah, can, can I give those away on a free podcast? I think people should be paying for these stories. <laughs> I, I wholeheartedly I agree, what, George. Awesome <laughs> jo- no, joking, but, apart, joking apart, there needs yeah. to be a Dirt Fish series of... Um, yeah. Yeah. dinners you know after and you yeah. can be the after dinner speaker we can all have a lovely meal yeah. have a couple of drinks and you can tell the stories that you can't tell here <laughs> and well, the stories that you are going to tell us here yeah yeah and I mean, we can okay. get through at least another five of your near uh-huh. fatal plane crashes <laughs> oh, we must have done all those people must have heard all i don't those think we have now. no i, th- I think no. we only just scratched no. the surface on those george i mean my, my stories about air- airplane crashes are nothing compared to nini russo of lancia's Helicopter crashes. I mean, I was in. I was in seven years with airplanes. I've distracted. I've, 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 I've taken. Nini I Russo. Say, I've, 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 leaned, I've leaned you away. I'm leaning you yeah. back, George. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, stick a pin in that one. Stick a pin. Tell in me. That tell one. me your your um your right. would be pairings. Okay. Well, I mean, I think it would have been super interesting if Colin had come to Toyota in in. Uh, it must have been. It must have been uh, ninety end of ninety seven, but but we were trying to get. Um, we were trying to get. Um, Carlos Sainz at that time, and we had Diddy Oriol at King that time Carlos. as well. And Diddy was Diddy was good. He developed he developed the Corolla, um, but but there was a possibility to get Colin. And I think if Colin had come and joined us at that time, he would have got a lot more out of the Corolla than than uh, I categorically say this now. You know, is anybody ever thinking that George Donaldson is not a Colin McRae kit fan? If Colin had joined us at Toyota in that Corolla. He that was that would have been his car. He would have wrung that car's neck, and also he would have developed it in a different way. That, that, that was, I mean, I'm, I'm not berating in any way Carlos or or Diddy's development skills, but Col- Colin just would have just re- refused to drive what they were offering him and said, "Make it softer," you know, just in Colin's usual laconic way. This is, you know, he would have just cut through the mustard and said, "This is stupid. I'm not driving it." You know, make it right. Just put softer springs in it. Do X Y Z. And, but even even without that, even as it was, Colin, Colin's innate driving technique, which is so different from you, uh, from uh, Diddy Orrells, so different from Carlos Sainz. Um, every bit as quick, quicker on the day, I would suggest, uh, as often as not. Uh, but I think he would have really, I think Colin would have got uh, two world championships out of that Corolla, potentially, 1998 and 99. I, I genuinely... Could, could say that was a possibility. So whilst they recused myself from the meeting, it was somewhat reluctantly. But in, mm. in, just in a discussion I had with Uva, my, my boss at the time, Uva Anderson, uh, I, I just knew it was better that I wasn't involved. So I, I so without Uva, do you think it would have happened then? Uh, well, I, I was I was very practical and, and at that time in the team. And, and uh, um, 
remember I'd just come off 1986 when I'd basically, you know, Uva wasn't allowed on any rallies. Um, so, I, you know, I was, I was, I had quite a strong voice with Uva at that mm. time. But I mean, Uva was very, very much the boss. He made all the decisions for everything. I, I made all the run of the mill, normal decisions of, of a team. But, but Uva was absolutely the boss. Um, but, uh, no, I mean, I think maybe, maybe he thought about Colin, but, but he, he, there was something about Colin he just didn't quite like. I think some of the, like I said, maybe some of the behaviour. But, but look, he had the option on Carlos Sainz. We were quite happy with Diddy at that time. Um, I felt Diddy was absolutely a massive Diddy Oreo fan, but flighty. You know, he's a, he's a, 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 a very, you know, like a nervous racehorse, you know, if you like, you know, you had to get everything just right for for Didier. Whereas Colin, Colin, you know, give give him a give him a three wheeler. He's, he's going to he's going to get fastest stage times, isn't he? I mean, he was that was there. There was the Colin McRae real brilliance. Everyone thinks about Colin. McRae. Colin McRae's real real genius for me was just being able to extract extract more than the maximum out of out of any given position. And the reliability and strength of that Corolla was was legendary uh, as a rule. I mean, it had it had its issues, but again, I just somehow think that Colin would have uh, really just uh, dusted that off and done really well. It's one I would have really liked to have seen anyway. Maybe I'm speculating, of course. That's uh, that's pure speculation and wishful thinking. That would have been amazing, but um, you can move forward in time. There's other other uh, interesting stories. We, we we, I mean, we very nearly. Uh, at that point, signed up um, uh, Marcus Gronholm. So Marcus Gronholm drove our car in. Was it when did when did when did Marcus um, when did Marcus go to Peugeot? Was it nineteen eighty nine nineteen ninety eight or nineteen ninety nine nineteen ninety nine nineteen ninety nine. So in in ninety eight. So uh, although Marcus had driven the car for us in ninety seven on Thousand Lakes Rally. On its on its launch event, um, and and very admirably as well, albeit from a fantastic road position. But I think we were leading the rally after the first day, first time mm. out in a car, which is pretty stunning. I um, ran out of petrol, though, didn't he? <sighs> David, <laughs> PTSD has just been watched there, David. Well done. I thought That's that I thought that I thought that wound was completely healed. I'm back mm-hmm. into therapy now. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Apologies. Yeah. Yeah. Oh dear. That's that's yeah. It completely buggered me now. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. um, but it was it, just but, amazing but that the they. That the was the story of him going to Peugeot is the best ever. Well, that's the best story ever. Yeah. For for me. So you were saying. Carry on. Well, just firstly, I think we all absolutely want to hear the story of him going to Peugeot. Now. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. But also, just weird that that Toyota gave that incredible Corolla to. To a driver that wasn't, but should have been a factory driver, uh, with with Marcus, you know, you can't really kind of imagine that happening now. And, and yes and no, I think um, ultimately, but no, well, basically no. But but it was it was inspired at the time. Remember, uh, uh, Marcus was given a factory car. In, was it ninety one thousand Lakes Rally by Toyota? I think it was 1991. And he, was, he was just sort of loaned the car, wasn't he? Go off and it was, run it. was a loaner. It was a loaner. Uwe, Uwe Anderson was his godfather. There you go. Did you not wow. know that? Nobody I, knew did, that. I didn't know that, no. 
Marcus's is, Marcus is father is it Ulf Grondel? Yes, yeah, ULF. Yeah. Um, he, he was he was killed in a recce accident. Uh, that was in the days when recce was free, uh, um, and uh, obviously Uva was a friend of of uh, of Ulf Grondel's and. Um, uh, I don't know whether he was actually the godfather, but he certainly treated treated Marcus like a godson. And you know when when Toyota came up through in the in the seventies and the eighties and, and, and obviously into the nineties, um, uh, and Marcus became a a pretty decent uh, rally driver, as an up and coming rally driver. He was he was lent cars by Toyota, which which we could do at that time. So if 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 there was a, an interested uh, a super interested um, um, importer that wanted to run a domestic program, we we could lend them a car. We had the Uva Uva generated the, the the mechanism for lending cars, you know, uh, and we lent cars to Denmark to um, mm. gosh Hendrik Lundgaard. Yeah. That was later that was that was later. He was effectively lent a car. These weren't rental cars; they were lent. So you paid for rebuilds and things like that. But I mean. You, you, you just paid factory prices. You weren't paying factory overheads. So, when when we were doing that in the in the nineties, our cars would have been, you know, half the price of a of a, a Subaru or whatever. You know, we we Toyota definitely kept the prices down on on all that business to to some extent. We didn't sell a lot of cars, but but uh, those that we did were much much cheaper and, and they were more difficult to get than anything else but but if you could get one it wasn't that expensive but you had to have that connection with a an importer to do it so so it wasn't so amazing that Marcus got that car and then so he so he he earned his he earned his um, his drive in 98 um and again I, I can't remember what his result was in 98 it was pretty it was pretty good initially at least I can't remember again you'd have to go into EWRC our favorite partner Results website, absolutely amazing. And uh, uh, at then the he end went of that, to Peugeot. Well, at the end of that, Uva Didier had had a, quite a tough year in '98. You know, up and down. As I said, thoroughbred racehorse, and was struggling to get the best out of the car. A car which, quite honestly, should have been a little bit better than it was. Um, and uh, Uva was of the opinion that we should just give uh, we should just give the car to uh, to Marcus. Um, but I was a little bit I was a little bit nervous that he would say that Marcus was actually already getting excited at the pros the, the prospect, but then ultimately Uva would have gone with if Diddy Diddy was humming and hawing about signing for ninety nine because the car wasn't that it wasn't the car that he wanted so I guess he was going to be exploring other options, um, and at that time the industry standard salary was very very high, um, and. Uh, of course, Uva, Uva would also be able to save money by giving the drive to, to, uh, to Marcus. So that that was probably also a factor. Uh, but I remember having quite long and protracted discussions with Uva about this uh, during the event and and actually after the event. But but my, my one of my very good friends in the team, uh, uh, dare I name him, uh, Gwyn Dolphin, um, who um. was our our PR and media marketing uh, uh, agent, I don't know what you call him, but he, but he was actually full-time in the team at that time, was uh, was going. Um, we were discussing that, you know, Marcus is going to get left high and dry here, so he thinks he's going to drive for us in 99, and 
I was quite sure that that Diddy would would finally stay, and that would leave Marcus with nothing because he would he would hang on and wait. Marcus Marcus didn't really have a manager per se at that time, so uh, I had a, had a discussion with Marcus to say, look, Marcus, you need to look around in the marketplace. You need to have a look. Yeah, but I've, and I've tried. I've been on the phone to ProDrive to to Malcolm, uh, and you know, there's nothing much on the go, and this and that, and the next thing. Said okay, um, let me let me speak to Gwyn and we'll see what we can do. So I went away and spoke to Gwyn. I said, right, Gwyn, scenario X. Here it is. I said, how can we get uh, how can we get Marcus a little bit of a trial with some of the other cars off the back of this incredible 1998 Thousand Lakes performance? And it was amazing, as I recall. It was it was obviously it had been very quick. Um, so Gwyn very quietly had the word in one particular journalist's ear and whispered in his ear that Marcus was going to get, it can't really be released yet, but uh, it looks like Marcus is going to get a contract for 99 with Toyota, full drive. Um, this particular journalist was known as a little bit of a, tet, uh, a, a tattle, so if, if you wanted something leaked, he was the guy to tell, basically. <laughs> and. Uh, so Gwyn had just whispered in his ear and then come and told me, he said, he said, he said, I'll bet by, you know, tomorrow evening, this story will have come back to me 10 times. Well, it was 30 minutes later, it had come back to both of us, <laughs> both of us about a dozen times. And, and all of a sudden, uh, I spoke to Marcus later that evening, George, George, my phone's been ringing off the hook. He said, uh, ProDrive have called me up, they want me to come and test the car. I said, well, you, what have you said? He said, well, I'm, I'm not sure. You know, I've got the, the offer from Toyota. I said, you've got an offer from Toyota, but it's not solid. You have got to go. Do you think? I said, get them to get them to get you a flight, and and get you there. And uh, and and the next morning, I get a phone call from him, or maybe I saw him at breakfast or something. I can't remember. Uh, he had Malcolm on the phone to him, wanting him to was it, was it yeah it must, must have been Malcolm of course it was Malcolm at that time Malcolm to go and test the, the test the Ford and then uh, and then out of left field came the call from Peugeot and uh, so Peugeot um, had had called and do you think I should bother going to that one George because you know it's just a development car and you know it's XYZ I said Marcus let's just look back on uh, on Peugeot every time they're involved in the WRC it's amazing look at the group B Peugeot, you know it. It that is the that is the team of all the teams you've mentioned. Peugeot's the one to go to. But go and test all three and see what happens. Well, he got helicoptered here and helicoptered there in Britain, going to various tests, and then he went to France and phoned me up after that after that uh, meeting and uh, and mentioned uh, that you know well it was a development year and he would get to do a number of events, but in a two wheel drive front wheel drive car and. You know, was it really what he wanted to do? Because the the Ford and the and the uh, and the Subaru options seemed so much better. And I remember spending hours with him on the phone, saying, "Look, you know, let, well, let's talk about the offers. What's on offer X, Y, Z?" And uh, the Peugeot one wasn't the richest. It, it, in fact, it was the poorest option. But there was good bonuses. There was win bonuses going to come in there. But uh, uh, I remember counselling him very, very strongly. To go to uh, to go to Peugeot. In fact, I think I even I even might have co-opted uh, Fred Gallagher to 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 speak to to Marcus just to say Marcus, go to Peugeot. Don't be silly. Go to Peugeot. You know that was it. 
and he went to Peugeot. And of course, the rest, that rest of that was history. That was the smartest movie ever made. But that story gets even better when you, when you move, when you move to 2001. And Richard, Richard Burns, have we run out of time? Oh, we've run out of no, time. I no, can't no. tell you the story. No, no, oh. this is, yeah. I know, this story is why Luke actually asked for this series. I can't possibly give it away that easily. <laughs> I, I do think, I think we should say, we should save that one. Because that was, uh, uh, talking about saving the best to last, that was, uh, that was incredible, yeah. George. Yeah, but, well, anyway, in, two, in 2001, Marcus happily ensconced in Peugeot, um, uh, at, at Subaru, I just joined Subaru, and of course uh, um, uh, Richard Burns was looking to leave Subaru if, if he wasn't world champion, but still desperately trying to be world champion, and at the same time had also signed for Peugeot um, at Money. So, th but that story, that story really is quite uh, quite lengthy. I've, it, that that is a proper shaggy dog story. So, to to capture that whole thing, I need I need twenty minutes, guys. I can't. I can't well, do I tell it you what, that, that's left. one that will perhaps get us through the yeah. off season. Mm. I do yeah. want very quickly before we we sign off to touch on twenty twenty four, next year's lineup. David, what can we can we say? What can't we say? <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, obviously, dirtfish.com is your go-to. Every day you should be checking just yeah. to make sure that you're up to date with all the latest rally news because the breaking news will be there. David and Luke working very hard. I, I think what we can say is that we don't expect too many more surprises. Uh, I don't think there are any more surprises for this. Nobody the expects to, the Spanish Inquisition. Yeah. No, quite. Mm. So, no, I think it'll be pretty much as is. You know, the big one that everybody was talking about was potentially was Ogier going to go jump ship to Hyundai, and, and clearly, you know, that's that's not going to happen, I think, now. Um, so, so Apologies. Yeah. Uh, so, no, so I think it's, it's it, from my side, I think, Luke, there's, there's not going to be any more surprises. I don't think so. Just to make a bit of a joke here, George, is that your lawyer calling to tell you not to tell any more Marcus Gronholm stories? <laughs> it's, 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 it's exactly who it was. Yeah, he, said, he, said that, he said there's a price on that story. He said. There's, uh, Listening in well, on George, the other line. As I've, as I've discussed many times, I'm, I'm very cheap. It's just a dinner. Um, uh, but but I'll, I'll, share, I'll share that one around Marcus uh, happily with all our, with all our avid, avid listeners because it is a great story. Um, I'll happily do that, but but it is, it's a, it's a good shaggy dog story. It's a bit of, a bit of intrigue, a bit of mystery, um, and and a vast amount of money. I mean, I'm right. Well, I about I think that's going to be a paid dinner event. People will buy tickets for that. We'll get to David on that. I know uh, the 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 time is ticking on, and we're gonna we're gonna have to move on. Um, and I think the, the preview that we were going to do for AA, um, ARA Rally Legend is actually just going to have to be a review. But if you want to stay up to date with everything that is happening in the American um, Rally Championship, dirtfish.com is your go-to place. Of course, Dirtfish is where you want to go. If you want to have a go as well in a rally car, um, check out the website for all kinds of driving packages and uh, courses that you can sign up for and just have some fun at the mothership that is no Kwame absolutely amazing days out at Dirtfish um, guys I think we should have put this in three parts um, because we've, we've kind of had to stop yeah. unfortunately but it's been brilliant I've absolutely been hanging on every word you've said there George well done Luke brilliant idea mm, and sorry. David thanks for coming <laughs> thank you I will jump off right now <laughs> <laughs>